As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In Tijuana, Mexico, five minutes from the U.S.-Mexico border. It's time for NBC Radio News on KCAA Loma Linda. Brought to you by Green Kong Dispensary, the Inland Empire's finest curated medical and recreational dispensary. Google GreenKong.com. Hi, folks. If you're still paying for electricity every month, it means you haven't signed up for the Inland Empire's number one money savings program offered by Horizon Solar Power. Just call to qualify your home and Horizon will give you $100, plus pay your electric bill until 2020. It's that simple. Call, qualify, get $100, and no electric bill payments until 2020. So keep your money in your pocket and become energy independent today. Call 844-711-6996. That's 844-711-6996. Or click on one of our Stay Cool ads at kcaaradio.com. Folks, this is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? AncientLifeOil.com Our CBD is made from hemp and has .003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take, what does CBD do for the body? My hands are tied. But you can Google CBD benefits and be astounded. When you're finished reading, you'll want to log on to AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with, <laughs> you fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. Get ready for a brand new show on KCAA Zero Point Health with Taylor Fakus and the incredible ZPA crew. They're fit, strong, experienced, passionate, and the team is ready to help you achieve greater fitness in mind, body, and spirit. Taylor and the ZPA crew operate Zero Point Athletics Holistic Center in Calamasa every day, where you'll find them on Instagram at Zero Point Athletics. And you can catch them right here on Thursdays at 3 p.m on KCAA 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and Talk 102.3 FM. Listen up, guys. Are you experiencing any of the following? Fatigue? 
Less drive, poor performance? If so, you may be one of the nearly 30 million men in the U.S. today dealing with ED. But did you know you don't have to pay hundreds for a prescription anymore? And you don't have to deal with the hassle of seeing the doctor or the embarrassment of going to the pharmacy for a certain pill. Now, with one free call, you can find out how Herbal Virility Max can help you feel like a man again. For over a decade, Herbal Virility Max has helped guys just like you put a smile back on their face with improved performance and drive. Call today at 800-498-5668. That's 800-498-5668. Save the money, save the hassles, and get the better blue pill. Call 800-498-5668. That's 800-498-5668. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is The Man from Yesterday. And back in time to this time in 1963, it's announced that First Lady Jackie will join President Kennedy in a Democratic Party fundraising swing into Texas, November 21st and 22nd. It'll be Jackie's first political trip with President Kennedy since he took office. His itinerary includes swings into Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin. It's funny, uh... I used to worry about going into the White House. It'll be a goldfish bowl, the Secret Service. I'll never see my husband. Uh, then you found out that, um, you know, it was really the happiest time of my life. And from this time in 1982, filming wraps for a new Dustin Hoffman movie, Tootsie, which sees Hoffman disguised as a woman to get acting parts. Also in that movie, Jessica Lange, Terry Garr, and Bill Murray. I'm afraid, Dr. Booster, that you have underestimated me. If you want to win me over, you'll have to deal with my mind. And not my lips. Cut it. And stop tape. I was supposed to kiss her. And from November of 1972, 14-year-old Donnie Osmond is losing his youthful treble. His voice is changing into manhood. Donnie Osmond says that he just can't reach those high notes anymore. With more at manfromyesterday.com. Express 106, 106.5 FM, KCAA, Southern California's best talk, NBCRadioNews.com. The information economy has arrived. The world is teeming with innovation as new business models reinvent every industry. industry. Inside Analysis is your source of information and insight about how to make the most of this exciting new era. Learn more at InsideAnalysis.com. InsideAnalysis.com. And now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, hello and welcome back. Welcome back once again. It's time for Inside Analysis, the only coast-to-coast radio show all about the information economy. Your host, Eric Cavanaugh, here once again. Excited to talk to some of the industry leaders about what's happening out there in the world of data. We've been talking about big data for quite a few years now, really about 10, 12 years, I suppose. It's been that uh, the concept of big data took the market by storm, really. And with respect to big data, we're talking about a lot of different kinds of data, really, 
There is big data in social, for sure. That's all unstructured data. There's a lot of big data in IoT, the Internet of Things. There's a lot of big data in log files. If you think about these big giants in Silicon Valley, the amount of data that their systems generate is absolutely staggering. And so that's one source of big data. And we say big data kind of in reference to traditional transactional data that has driven large organizations for many, many years now. Just think sales, marketing, uh, human resources, data about products, which products ship where and when, all that kind of fun stuff, the kind of stuff you find in your ERP systems, enterprise resource planning. That's the typical transactional data that we talk about. And for many years, we use something called data warehousing to be able to analyze that data. Because what would happen is we figured out that those systems really weren't designed for queries. It's hard to analyze the data in your ERP solution. And so what we did is we pulled data out of those systems, loaded them into warehouses, and then were able to do analysis of that. Well, then some funny things happened, right? This big data phenomenon really spun out, like I say, from the large corporate entities like Google and Facebook and LinkedIn, but also other sources out there. Um, certainly financial services has tons and tons of data and so we've been trying to come up with new solutions and new ways of dealing with the amount of data. Well, there's another interesting topic that's cropped up in the recent past. My friend Tony Bear is arguably the guy who coined this term, and that's fast data. So fast data refers to just that, getting data where it needs to be very, very quickly. So latency is an issue these days. It's an issue in customer service. It's an issue in things like procurement, service delivery, Whatever the case may be, there are times when you really want to get data to its location very, very quickly, and you just can't take chances. So that's going to be the topic for today, and we'll talk with uh, one of our friends, Chris Wallace, from HVR Software, and those folks have done some really good work in the realm of data movement, and specifically in the realm of what's called CDC, that's Change Data Capture. It's actually a very old technology. It's been around for 40-plus years. It was used way back in the mainframe days, and it's a very clever Strategy. Basically, CDC, or Change Data Capture, is a practice of only changing or only loading the data that has changed. So instead of bulk moving all your Salesforce data from one location to another, which is what we usually do, now the plan is you only move the bits and pieces that have changed, which is very much lighter and faster and easier to do. Now, you do have to think through what you're going to apply this technology to. You have to be very careful how you put it to work. But the bottom line is it's a very efficient way of moving data around and keeping systems up to date. And with that, we'll bring in uh, my partner and co-founder of the Bloor Group, Dr. Robin Bloor, dialing in from Austin, Texas. Welcome back to Inside Analysis, Robin. And you know, you've tracked the space for a long time, so you've seen the ebb and flow of trends and so forth. I'm curious to know your thoughts on the kinetic nature of fast data and just how big a deal that really is. Okay. Well, um, it's good to be back, Eric. So, you know, first of all, I shall announce that. Um, probably the best thing, you know, or what conceptually I've always tried to take a view um, on, you know, the whole of the um, uh, empire of data and how we actually touch it. So uh, the, the thing to say is that pretty much everything we've done in the whole of the IT industry has been less um, sophisticated than it can be. So, you know, any data record that we've got is actually normally just a snapshot. It's not um, a continuous 
picture of what's going on. It's a picture that was taken at some point in time. And it's useful until it starts to come out of date. So you've got that situation, and then you've got the, the modern world, where we now have lots of streams of data, including the world of the IoT, uh, information, uh, Internet of Things, where it's reporting itself. You know, there are uh, sensors that are reporting their state all the time. So we're kind of approaching a world where everything will be reporting itself all the time. And that, in, in a sense, is the kind of change data capture world in the sense that you can't hold all of that stuff. So you're actually only wanting the deltas, the things that change. And, and this spans pretty much everything, if you like. You know, the, we've had streaming data as a meaningful set of applications for maybe 15 years, but every year that goes by, the latency that those things are capable of serving, you know, just becomes less and less. So the, the data is almost instant. It's not entirely instant. And the closer the data gets to being instant, um, the more valuable it can be if you've got a good use for it, you know. So this... Um, the reality is that the older the data is, the less and less value it has. So if you turn that upside down, it means the more current data is, the more likely it is to have value. And, of course, we've moved into this big data world where everybody in one way or another is applying sophisticated algorithms to the data to try and dredge out as much knowledge as possible from the data. And the timeliness of that knowledge is an issue. So, you know, that's where latency comes in. It comes in in, in gathering the data, but also how fast can you produce the results to make it worth um, uh, worth having. And nowadays, I, I kind of don't think of databases anymore. I just think of, of um, kind of um, various um, collections of data that are in motion all the time, that are changing all the time, because that's more accurate like, that's more accurate to the way the world has become. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, and you bring up a good point, which is that we used to think of the database as the foundation of any information system, and that's still true, but now we have a lot of interesting characteristics to data that we didn't really have as much five and ten years ago, uh, one of which being streaming data, right, which is a whole different ball game. We always thought in terms of capturing data, persisting it, and then leveraging the data. But with streaming data, you can just siphon it off and do something with it in flight. Right, Robin? Right. It's, it, in fact, processing it in flight, if there's any value to processing it, then you probably more value in doing it in flight. So whereas previously we thought of data as residing kind of static, but changing every now and then residing on disk, we now tend to think of it as residing in memory. And memory is, you know, like 10,000 times faster than disk. It's way faster, you know. And if you don't actually have to pull it from disk and you can sort of guide streams of memory, uh, streams of data from one, um, from one kind of um, uh, memory resource to another memory resource to another memory resource, it changes the way that systems work. You know, so it's not just the streams, it's the whole systems and how they behave that become interesting. Um, because, you know, a, a stream, maybe three or four applications need to process a stream. You know, 
Well, you don't write it to disk and have them all read it. You just you just replicate that stream and just throw it at the various applications. That you know that's the world we've moved into. Yeah, which is really interesting. I mean, it it does require a different set of technologies for harnessing that data. It requires a different mindset, I suppose. But there are countless examples where streaming data is extremely valuable, right? Like, for example, Internet of Things. Think about uh, electricity grids and power structures and so forth. That's something where you want to be watching that telemetry all the time. And if you can stream that data back to HQ and only persist what's what's interesting or different about it, well, that's that, that can be a more effective strategy. But what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, the, if those systems are not so easy to design. And, of course, it depends how big they are. Uh, but you're balancing two things there. On one hand, you've got a vast amount of data that's being generated all the time. And... Um, on the other hand, you don't want all of the data. You want you don't want to lose any of the value of the knowledge in the data. So you've got to have uh, aggregation strategies at various points that allow you to roll up the stuff that's valuable. And you, you want to be able to, you want that to be kind of small so you can throw it to, um, let's say, the center, you know, the, the heart of the system. Um, you can throw it there very, very swiftly and you can get the system to be able to use it very swiftly. And it's really not that trivial. It's really, um, it, can, it can require an awful lot of thinking, an awful lot of deployment of hardware to get that right, and to get it, you know, to get it with the right kind of heartbeat for what it is that you're doing. Yeah, and that's an interesting term to use, right? The heartbeat of data. What is the pulse of your organization? What's the pulse of data flowing through your organization. That's probably a good segue to bring in our next guest, Chris Lawless from HVR Software. Uh, first, Chris, welcome back to Inside Analysis. And maybe tell us what you think about that concept, really identifying the pulse of data in your organization and using that as the key design point for how you build around it and how you enable the flow of information through your company. What do you think, Chris? Thanks for having me back. And I love that analogy, the heartbeat, the pulse, because data is the lifeblood of an organization. So I think that is a great analogy. And you can think of, you know, those databases, they were kind of a stored value, and they were kind of sometimes hard to reach, and only certain people could have access. But as IT world has changed, and the cloud, and IoT, and all those things you just mentioned, more and more people want access to more and more information. So it has to stream. It has to move beyond that silo of that locked database. Um, and just the explosion of data has also given us the explosion of different tools to use. So we can bring it to the cloud. We can stream it with M representative has been to calm people down and just feel the fire, basically. Because if you're calling into the customer service center, it's almost always a problem of some kind. And so typically the CRM person has to just feel that anger and calm the person down and then do lots of legwork on the spot to figure out what's going on and try to help them through all that. Now, that's especially hard when you think about how many times that job is outsourced, even overseas, for example. I'm sure uh, people listening on the radio here know they've heard any number of occasions when they've called into customer service and it's someone with an accent and that someone from the accent is with an accent is way over across the pond in some foreign country. So you've got a bit of a language barrier, too. But now... And Chris, I'd like you to respond to this. 
with streaming data, with fast data, as it were, if you set your systems up properly, you can be feeding all kinds of really useful information to this representative in real time or near real time. So you could feed information, for example, from their website, from their clickstream analysis. You could be feeding information from point of sale systems, from other call centers, for example, so that when the person is on the phone with this with this representative, that rep has lots of useful information which can help that person really resolve whatever the case may be. Right, Chris? Exactly. I think, you know, you're right is that CRM was sometimes had locked information. It only had, you know, maybe 10 to 15 points about them and they're calling up to complain. But what if you could pull from, was there luggage loss if we're dealing with an airline? What, how many flights have they flown this year? You know, are they flying somewhere else next week? So that gives the, you know, the customer service rep a whole new, like, customer uh-huh. vision. Oh, this is a really important customer. Uh-huh. You know, give them something free or do something extra for them to empower those, you know, reps to really help them out. And that's where I think it, it, this data empowers employees to make better decisions uh, for the company, for the customer, and for themselves. Yeah, it's all about knowing the situation, right? Like situational awareness, contextual awareness. You can also think about feeding data to forms on websites, for example. If you kind of help the customer along, what you don't want is for every customer to have to reinvent the wheel every time they call in or every time they try to interact with your organization. You want to understand who they are. But again, this is not an easy nut to crack. So just think about who is on my website right now. Well, there are technologies and services that can be used to determine who is on your website right now. What are the IP addresses of the users that are actually dialing in? I've heard some really cool examples of how artificial intelligence can optimize things like customer service. Once again, you have to have the data, though, because they can track and and determine what the priority So there's a company I ran across at the MarTech um, event in Boston earlier this year, and what they do is they actually take over the sales queue, like the call queue for your salespeople. So the salesperson isn't going to uh, just pick whoever they want to call, which is how it typically works. Instead, this technology will determine, based upon many different sources, like your your website, your clickstream data, your phone data, whatever the case, lots of different systems, and will use that information to dynamically... Hold on. To dynamically determine who to call next. And that's a big deal, right? So very quickly, Chris, follow your thoughts on that. Oh, absolutely. Think of now your, your sales reps are going after the highest priority target, the one most likely to close. The one was the quickest to close. So based on criteria that the sales guy might be able to tweak, it really helps them their job. And also the customer, they're going to get the, the best value because they know the sales guy knows a little bit more about them, what they need, what they want. So it's like perfect synergy for this tool is give the people what they want when they want it. That's it. Well, folks, we're coming up on a hard break here. Well, don't touch that dial. Come back shortly. We've got Chris Lawless from HBR and Dr. Robin Bloor. We'll be right back. You're listening to Inside Analysis. Your data where you need it. Query This is brought to you by HVR, the leading independent provider of real-time data replication software. 
With HVR, you get a low-impact solution to replicate and integrate data from a variety of source systems, such as Oracle, SQL Server, Postgres, Salesforce, to destinations such as Kafka, Azure, AWS, Snowflake, and more. Get it delivered fast, efficient, secure. HVR offers everything you need in one tool for real-time data replication, initial load and table creation, log-based change data capture, data validation, and visual statistics on how your data is moving so that you can optimize your data flows. Give your business intelligence teams accurate data they can trust when they need it. Learn more at hvr-software.com. That's hvr-software.com. All packages for a living, a gas-powered Mercedes-Benz Sprinter delivers. Transport people, a Sprinter van with 0% financing is a five-star idea. If food delivery is your thing, then a gas Sprinter caters to you. And if you're a general contractor, the Sprinter with 0% financing nails it. With innovation, safety, and technology, Sprinter is built for you. And it's built for your bottom line with 0% financing. The Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, starting at just $33,790. And for a limited time with IRS Section 179, you could be eligible for up to a $25,000 tax deduction. Gas engine, 0% financing, and a possible tax deduction? Now that's a Sprinter that delivers. Mercedes-Benz. Vans. Born to run. MSRP excludes all options, taxes, title, registration, transportation, charge, and dealer prep fee. Options, bond availability, and actual dealer price may vary. See dealer for details about costs and terms. Only valid on 2018 or 2019 Mercedes-Benz Sprinter vans, excluding cab chassis. Qualified commercial customers only. Financing offer valid through January 2nd, 2020. Consult your tax advisor. For more information, limits may apply. Visit MVVans. Apparently, I'm like a squirrel. I'll explain next on Dan's Life. A great radio show may sound like it's easy to make, but if you've ever tried, you know that's not the case. With the time spent engineering, producing, and archiving, you end up losing focus on what really matters, the content of your show. If you put your show on the Gab Radio Network, you'll be able to leave all those technical worries to our staff of highly trained engineers and producers. And all you need to do is have fun and put on a great show. Want to find out more? Send an email over to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. A recent study of gray and red squirrels revealed that squirrels lose their tempers just like humans when they're frustrated. And the University of Cal Berkeley team researching their temperament during problem solving say that lashing out and losing one's cool might be part and parcel to the problem solving process. Squirrels would get, as my son would call my behavior when I'm angry, animated and loud, supremely frustrated, nearing lunacy when trying to get food from a dispenser when they couldn't. After a brief meltdown, they would try a new tactic. Okay, getting mad is natural. Got it. But here's what I know about it. When I stay mad, things don't get any better. When I accept what I'm doing doesn't work, calmly, I can move on much quicker. I can determine whether or not my methods are working without losing my mind. But sometimes it's just fun, and it feels pretty good to let off some steam. So it will be interesting to see if researchers come away with any definitive conclusion on whether or not frustration, rage, and red-hot emotion are actually valuable to us in fixing things that aren't working. And though I'm no scientist myself, I think it might be useful to do this study on humans in conjunction with doctors to see if it might just be doing as much harm as good. You know, to the old ticker. Find out more about Dan's life on Facebook at French and Friends. In the meantime, I'm going to take this computer right here. The one that keeps shutting down. Out back and bash it with a baseball bat. Because. Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, 
Eric Kavanaugh. Take this to the future. All right, folks. Take us to the future, indeed. And uh, the future is moving very quickly these days, it seems to me. <laughs> Hence the topic of our show today, fast data. And we'd like to talk a little bit more about some of the open source technologies that are fundamentally changing the landscape of information technology. It's really quite fascinating to watch this happen. So for those who don't know much about open source, uh, it's kind of a big deal. A guy named Linus Torvalds 30-odd years ago threw down the gauntlet to Microsoft and said, I'm tired of them changing the operating system all the time. I want to create my own operating system. And he just rolled his own. And he got a bunch of friends together, and they all worked and collaborated and built what is the Linux operating system. And now, thanks to IBM throwing a billion dollars at Linux over the years to harden it and make it enterprise-grade, now Linux is the de facto standard for enterprise software, which I think is just absolutely amazing. And it's because, primarily, Microsoft kept pulling the rug out from underneath everyone and causing all sorts of trouble. Because when you change the OS, when you change the operating system, Basically, almost every application that was designed for it needs to be amended somehow. Well, now there's also a new, what's referred to as the operating system for the cloud, and that's Kubernetes. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit um, later on in the show. But another huge development was a few years ago when a company called LinkedIn, that many of you know, spun out their engine called Kafka. So a Kafka, which is now run by the Apache Software Foundation, Apache Kafka is a fascinating messaging service, basically. So if you think about how LinkedIn was able to get your messages from the receiver or from the sender to the receiver and back and forth and, and all that fun stuff, well, that was used to, to, done with Apache Kafka. So they open sourced this, and a lot of folks might wonder, wonder why. Like, why would they open source this kind of stuff? Well, there are lots of different reasons to do that, one of it which is to make it permeable, make it everywhere, make it ubiquitous, make it such that everybody uses the technology, and then you can kind of build on top of that. So there's this whole concept of a open source, uh, op op open source. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, business model that we've seen now, and it works for some people, doesn't work for others. Red Hat, of course, has worked very well for them over the years. They're the 
premier open source enterprise company out there for development and standing up these different systems. But nonetheless, Kafka is a very fascinating system. So you set up topics in Kafka is how it works, and it just streams that data. And then on the other end of that stream, you can grab the data and do what you want with it. But let's get uh, some more perspective on what that all means. I'll bring, I guess, Dr. Robin Bloor back in for just a moment to kind of talk about it. Robin, it really is amazing how these open source uh, initiatives are really shaking the foundation of the data world, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it has to be good. I mean, the, the neat thing about the open source world is that it's, um, it creates a lot of stuff, you know, and some of it just doesn't it doesn't um, work or it doesn't last. But Kafka, um, in my opinion, in the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, Kafka is the jewel in the crown. Kafka has changed corporate computing in a lot of ways. And particularly, it's changed the way that people actually architect systems because Kafka is like, it's a traffic policeman uh, and the whole set of highways, if you like. You know, things that you did bit by bit, you did by ETL or you did with, you know, special um, streaming software, stuff like that. A lot of those things can just now go down the Kafka pipe and get thrown out wherever they need to be. And, you know, if you want to duplicate stuff and so on and so forth, you can do it. It's very, um, it's very, very powerful software. And it, you know, apart perhaps from Kubernetes, it's my favorite thing out there at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, and I'll bring Chris Lawless back in. So at HVR, you're able to capture that streaming data and, and basically serve as a conduit for it, right? Can you explain kind of how that works? Yeah, it's exactly right. And I, I like how Robin explained it as it is the crown, one of the crown jewels is the more people saw it, the more they realized how powerful it was. And the more they realized how powerful it was, they said, oh, I have so many uses for this data, but now I want more. So they wanted to get that data out of their traditional databases, their SAP databases, their Oracle databases, their SQL Server databases, and they wanted to turn it into Kafka Stream. And that's where HBR does is we grab that data from that, you know, traditional data source and we'll feed it into a Kafka system. And that's where people really love the power there. Yeah, and I thought of an analogy a while ago to describe how this works. And the analogy refers to the highway system in the U.S. We have the old highways like Route 66 and all the two-lane or sometimes two lanes each direction, so four-lane highways that are the state roads. But then in the 1950s, really in 60s, we had a whole initiative in the Eisenhower era to build interstate highways, big, bulky, beautiful, high-speed roads that are technically they were designed to carry tanks from one side of the country to the other, just in case something bad happened, just in case we were invaded by a foreign nation. But now we have this amazing interstate highway system. And to me, Kafka is like the interstate highway system versus the old roads and, and uh, streets and drives and so forth of past years. And it's it's been built up and around the existing system, just like we see with the highway systems. And it's really being used for net new use cases, but the key is to integrate it somehow effectively with your existing systems, your legacy systems. So I'll bring Robin Bloor back in to tackle that one. The key is really to understand where you can get immediate value from the streaming data and then figure out how you can basically take off and land, right, Robin? Yeah, it's 
you're not going to be able to do that. I mean, I'm sure that people have initially with Kafka just picked it up and, and for a specific use case, a specific problem, have kind of plugged it in somewhere. But if you're really going to make it pay, it's like you said, it's like making use of the interstate highways. You know, if you want to take goods from, goods from Mexico and have them, you know, dropped off at all points up to the border with Canada, then you kind of have to think about how you're moving stuff around. So you, you start to you start to base your architecture um, an awful lot more upon um, the use of data. You know, it's this kind of handshake between data and process. It's like all data to a certain extent is collected because it's used in various places. So the question is, how are we going to be able to rationalize um, any any little data source so that it goes to all the places it needs to go to and it doesn't duplicate stuff, you know. And and that starts to become an interesting architectural um, uh, issue. And it has people building maps in a way that they never did before. People used to think of databases as where the data ends up. And they now think of applications as to where the data ends up. Hmm. That's interesting. That's a good point. Uh, what do you think about that, Chris? I think that's exactly right because, again, we've kind of streamlined the process in many cases for how data gets handled. And like Robin said, and I said at the top of the hour, we used to always think in terms of capturing data, then persisting it in the database, and then accessing it from the database. But in this whole world of streaming, sometimes you don't even do that, right? It's very ephemeral, the data as it's flying across the transom, basically, or through the transom. And then you act on it right then, and you don't have to persist it. So it's, it's a rather significant shift in architecture, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. If you take your example of your CRM person on the other side of the world, do they care whether they're going against one database, two databases, or an amalgamation of a database, a data lake, and a Kafka stream? They just want the data. And, it's, you know, you think about kids these days with their phones. They don't care where the data resides. They press the button on the phone. They want the data. They want that information. And we don't, you know, people don't care which database it resides in as long as it does the job. And that's where I think the, the cloud is going to allow people to choose the database that is best for that job. Not because you always bought IBM or you always bought Oracle. You can have a small, you know, freeware database as long as it does the job and what you need. Use that. Use Kafka. Use Kinesis. Use whatever the tool you need to get the data where you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think about, so these apps, and I'll, I'll bring Robin back into this. If you think about WhatsApp and, um, and all these different apps that people are using these days, well, that's a ton of data that's being moved very, very quickly back and forth. I'm guessing that's basically streaming underneath the covers. I don't know for sure, but it sure seems to me like that would be a use case for streaming. What do you think, Robin? Oh, most certainly. I mean, you know, the problem of the problem that a, a social network company faces is that in order to be relevant, your your latencies have to be very, very low, and and they've got you know, hundreds of millions or even billions of customers out there. So, you know, um, you, an awful lot of that data is never going to touch the ground be between leaving the person that sends it and arriving at the person that catches it, you know? 
It just isn't going to do it because you don't want to do that, you know. Um, persisting, when, you, when you're dealing with streaming data, you persist it afterwards. You know, you do the application in what way, whatever way you're using the data, you do that. And once you've done it, if you need to persist it, you persist it afterwards. You know, it's, it's a different way of doing things. Yeah, it's a much different way of doing things. And I guess you, you probably need new people to come into your team. But, Chris, maybe you can kind of help us with this. Can organizations just retrain their DBAs to do these kinds of jobs? Is that kind of what's happening? Or are there net new people coming into companies who know how to do this stuff? Um, I think it's both. I think DBAs are getting away from what I – well, I think there's a big fear from DBAs that they're going to lose their jobs but they should be excited that they're no longer doing drudge work, but now can unlock value. And you can start, you know, giving value back to the organization rather than just be the, the gatekeeper behind that database. So there's some retraining by DBAs. There's some, you know, new people are coming on board. I had a really interesting conversation at a conference I was at two weeks ago, and he worked for a healthcare company, and his background was that he was a nurse. So he actually understood the data from the point of view of all the users, and he was just interested in IT. And then he made the switch in his career to be an IT person, but he knew all the nurse terminology. So it was really interesting to see. He got to see technology from the other side, but he could explain everything about what users really cared about that data. It was a really great Hmm. conversation. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I think this all gets back to one of my common themes, and I'll throw it back out to Robin here, is information strategy. I mean, we've always had that kind of thing, but it it seems to me historically we've had people in various departments like the data warehousing group, for example, or the data engineering group. But I think more and more the business has to be directly involved in working with not just IT, but consultants and developers to figure out what information strategy is going to work best for them because it's going to be different for every country. I mean, every country or every company because the DNA of the company is always different, and even if you're in the same industry as 10 other organizations, there's something special about you. Maybe it's the customer service. Maybe it's the product offerings. Whatever the case may be, there's something that makes your company special, and you have to figure out what that is and really play your strategy around that. Right, Robin? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, um, uh, the, there are a number of things, obviously. The, the key business processes of an organization are going to have to be really well served. But as soon as you get into this area, and it, it's probably not uh, a good idea for us to go into this in any depth, um, as soon as you actually begin to look at the data of an organization as being a resource, you have to think, not only of how you're using it, but how you're going to govern it, you know. And that raises all sorts of issues from, you know, cleaning the data and also the things like the level of cleanliness of data to make applications okay. Because um, having clean data and having data quickly often kind of compete with each other. You know, so you've got that kind of issue, you've got um, the security issue, and you've got the fact that when it comes to data, there's nearly always multiple stakeholders. It used to be that people used to think in terms of who owns the data. But, you know, in the end, the corporation owns the data, and, and various individuals have responsibility within that ownership. And the biggest responsibility... And here's the bottom line, folks. 
there are so many new jobs coming down the pike, and uh, we need to be able to train our workforce to take advantage of this stuff. So the, the jobs of old, yes, those are going to be largely automated. That's a big deal these days. Automation is changing the way things get done. But there will be new jobs of people who manage all those systems. So don't touch that doll, folks. We'll be right back. You are listening to Inside Analysis. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, Purple Mattress, you know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a Purple Mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your Purple Grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do you have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. You're the only one I want to come home to. Purple Mattress. You two can come home to a Purple Mattress by texting RELAX to 84888. And now for a limited time, receive a free Purple product with your order when you text RELAX to 84888. That's keyword R-E-L-I-X to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. Farmers Insurance presents 60 Seconds of Service. A stamp of approval for man's best friend. That story next. Farmers Insurance is proud to support military members and their families and thanks them for their service and sacrifice. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Standing before a memorial to military service of dogs, Air Force Major Matt Kowalski, commander of the 341st Training Squadron, the military's only training program for dogs, was all smiles last week as he introduced the San Antonio Postmaster over the yips and barks of a half-dozen energetic puppies at Joint Base San Antonio in Texas. Kowalski and San Antonio Postmaster Robert Carr unveiled the U.S. Postal Service's newest forever stamp, which honors the contributions of military... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply working dogs. The stamp features the four most common breeds associated with military work. The German Shepherd, the Labrador Retriever, the Belgian Malinois, and the Dutch Shepherd. For more great stories, log on to thenationaldefense.com. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products... Do you have a great idea for a radio show but have no idea where to start? Or have you been hosting a podcast for a while and want to take it to the next level? If so, you need the Gab Radio Network. To host a show on the Gab Radio Network, all you need is your voice, and we'll handle the rest. From technical engineering to full-service audio production and much more. Every show on the Gab Radio Network can be heard on our station on the TuneIn Radio app. 
Plus, we put all our shows on our satellite, which is accessed by 5,500 stations. And here's the best part. You can host from anywhere you want. There are many means to connect to the Gab Radio Network remotely, and our staff of highly trained engineers and producers will make you sound like you're right here in studio. So, if you want to be on the Gab Radio Network, the same network that hosts the Small Business Advocate, Radio MD, and Talkin' Pets, send an email right now to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. If you run a large corporation, small business, or anything in between, you need ads to help get the word out. A full page in the newspaper sounds good. A TV spot sounds even better. But let's face it, newspapers are essentially last-minute wrapping paper, and a TV spot is just expensive and basically code for bathroom break. Talk radio is different. Commercials cost practically nothing to produce, and the listeners are loyal. They like what they like, and they stay tuned in. When they hear about a new product or service during their favorite show, they can't wait to try it out for themselves so they can talk about it with their friends. And you know how radio listeners like to talk. If you want to add radio to your marketing portfolio, you need the Gab Radio Network. Gab Radio is the team of full-service experts you've been looking for, from writing to production, distribution, voiceover, and more. We make sure your spots are paired with the right shows in the right markets at the right time of day so the right people can hear. Since we're in over 100 markets across 34 states, Canada, and American Samoa, I'd say it's a pretty good place to start. If you want to know more, just email sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks. Back here on Inside Analysis, talking all about fast data. Who doesn't want fast data? Who doesn't want data right away? Everybody does. And I think really what we're seeing is a number of different things kind of coming together and changing the dynamics of the industry, one of which is there are so many more people playing with data. So many more people are using data, one of which is just basic competitive analysis of what's happening in the real world. If you're not getting data quickly, your competitor certainly is. Uh, so there are lots of different factors that come into play. Financial services, obviously, you need a lot of data, a lot of different places in far-flung organizations. You know, there are some interesting developments uh, in the ERP space. You've got SAP, of course, moving towards S4 HANA, which is a completely in-memory system. That's a big change. They're trying to push all their clients down the road and get them up into the cloud and in memory. It's not a small accomplishment uh, to uh, to achieve, so that's kind of a big deal. But I guess I'll bring Chris Lawless back in to talk about some of the use cases. And you're saying in the break there that financial services, a lot of data flying around from one place to another to kind of keep these systems up to date. Tell us a bit about that, Chris. Yeah, so... You know, it's one of those industries that is absolutely huge, the financial data. And uh, I can think of one of our customers who's a financial institution. And, you know, people call up to make stock trades or whatever. You know, what you see on in the screen in front of you from that customer service, do you really want to, how often do they trade? You know, what's their net worth? You know, you need as much information as you can because you don't want to give this customer a bad tip you know, when they're making a trade, it goes south, you could lose a high net worth individual. So you really want to make sure you have that person's information up to date. And, you know, one of the use cases here, we're moving all of the customer data from all their historical trades, all of the trades they've done. It actually has their relatives as well. So it really gives that customer service person a unified view of all that customer data, um, which is what they need to really help them out. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I, I guess, Robin, I'll bring you back in on this. There's really no end to the use cases around fast data. The real key is to figure out where you get the most value to justify the investment. And that, even in our modern world, is a situation, it seems to me, where increasingly you've got smaller budgets, faster timelines. You can't have the big bang, waterfall, as they call it, project for six months or a year anymore. You've got to be able to deliver value fairly quickly. So it's kind of an interesting metaphor when you think about fast data and fast delivery, because you've got to be able to show to the business side that there is value to this. You've got to be able to track your customer service metrics, for example, and then you do your proof of concept. And if you see, guess what? Customer satisfaction went up 20% over the last month after we rolled out the solution. That's the kind of metric you're looking for to then say to the business, okay, guys, let's make this a permanent solution. Let's make this happen. Right, Robin? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I, I see for a long time has abandoned the, you know, the big project thing and, and tried to do things in bits. And it kind of changed when the whole big data thing happens and everybody started to get um, delirious about um, uh, the possibilities of machine learning and so on and so forth. But there were a lot of those projects that went very, very badly, partly because people got the whole data flow side of it wrong, uh, and, and partly um, because actually you need to be fairly smart to do those things. But if you had a real kind of what I think of as um, a real ninja set of um, uh, data scientists, they could just point at various um, uh, collections of data, analyze it, draw knowledge out of it, and implement it very, very quickly. It's not easily done, but when it is done, it can pay incredible dividends. And all of that is so, I mean, what you've introduced there is beyond the speed of data, which we've been talking about. Um, you've also got the speed of the people to be able to create capabilities on top of data that has to move fast and process that has to move fast. And it's an issue because those people, you know, they get paid a lot of money, and the reason they get paid a lot of money is not a lot of them, you know. These, uh, they're the talent that, you know, create the big savings. Right. Yeah, it is. And so this is also a big part of a, a broader theme called digital transformation. And it's a, sort of a trite term amongst the analyst community, but it's a very real term out there in the real world of business. And what's happening is companies have to reinvent their processes. Maybe the cloud is one reason why they're looking to go to the cloud, move away from on-prem data centers. But uh, Chris Lawless, I'll bring it back in. Legacy systems have a very, very long tail. It's very difficult to ever shut them down. I think of a friend of mine, Gilbert Van Cutsen, who once joked to Robin and I that uh, that uh, elephants go to a special place to die, but there is no software graveyard. It all just goes to the cloud. And that's kind of what's happening now. So you need to have your ducks in a row and, and all the different component parts present to fix that, to design the new business process. And it seems to me one of them is the data change capture that you've talked about. One of them is the new destination, which is typically the cloud. And the other one is, is really the speed at which you can deliver that cost effectively. Right, Chris? Absolutely. There's so much data locked up in mainframes that we've been told died 20 years ago. They're still out there. They're still being used. You know, HBR, we can grab from the mainframe and put it into the cloud. It actually extends the life. 
CDC can extend the life of those machines on-prem because we allow you to take the, the value of that data out and move it to the cloud. Um, so we always say they're going away. Those systems don't die. I mean, look how long it took the U.S. Uh, Army to get rid of the uh, floppy drives for their nuclear codes. <laughs> they just removed recently. So right. it takes a while. Like you, you said, it's a long tail, probably longer than we think. Yeah, that's such a good point. And, Robin, I'll bring you back in. we just got a couple of minutes left here. Those long tails are amazing. What a, what a story about the uh, the Army just finally moving away from floppy disks. What? Are you sure? <laughs> it's kind of remarkable how long it takes. But then hey, the well, doctor's you know. office. <laughs> yes. At least there's no um, punch card, right? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. punch cards lasted way longer than people expected. Uh, one of the things that was actually kept them going is that certain systems that needed to be secured, the security uh, was very, very high. Um, it's very difficult to upgrade those systems. Um, if they're secure in the way that they're running, then leave it. You know, and that's where that explains the floppy disk, probably. But, you know, dinosaurs had long tails. <laughs> I mean, that's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty fun analogy right there. My favorite uh, joke about legacy systems is the definition. I heard this from, oh, who was it? I can't even remember now. But uh, someone, I'll throw this out to Chris Lawless, said that uh, the definition of a legacy system is any system in production. Isn't that funny? Oh, that is great. That is, and it's true because even, you know, systems that I use, my kids will go, why are you using that? That's so old. We do everything online. And, you know, the Internet's not that old, but things, it seems that things I do are already ancient to my, my teenage children. So, you know, what one generation thinks is cutting edge, it's legacy to the next generation. Yeah, that's true. And we do have five generations of people in the workforce these days, so that in and of itself is an interesting challenge. And you're right, that well, the young kids, all this online stuff is just, it's, you know, secondhand. They just do it automatically. Whereas, Robin, i got to tell you, man, I'm... I think I'm veering towards the old-timers category, <laughs> like just over the hump now, going downhill and looking back going, ooh, probably just in time. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it's an interesting uh... thing, isn't it? You, uh, yeah, go you, ahead. You, you have to, in one way or another, test yourself against the, um, against the newer technologies. And, and the kids do it with no thought at all. They just do it. Yeah, I guess they they grew up with it. I mean, you got uh, videos of little kids on iPads, and they just intuitively know what to do, what to what to hit, what to push <laughs> around. I handed my kid a Samsung, and before long, she was into the photographs and into the music and checking out the apps. And like, she's only six, but she's just diving right through that thing. So, that is the new world. That's the new reality we see yeah. around us. You know. Well, folks, I'll tell you what, uh, we're coming to the close of another great show here on our series, Query This. It's all about analytics, folks. It's all about using your data. And that's, I think, another reason why things are moving so quickly these days, because we have so many more folks using data. I'll be going actually to the Tableau conference the second half of next week, I believe it is. And that company is just humongous, bought by Salesforce for, was it, $12 billion or some just astronomical amount of money. And it's just data visualization, but there are so many people using the software now. They have such a massive install base. And guess what? 
for those people to get the value out of Tableau, someone has to get the data there. So the data movement is always a big problem. It's always going to be a big problem, a big challenge, but you're going to see lots of effort to provision that data to get it where it needs to be, and that's what we talk about on the show. So send me an email, info at insideanalysis.com. If you want to talk on, re- on the air about what you're doing with data, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to learn from our end users, from our audience. We'll catch up to you next time, folks. You've been listening to Inside Analysis. Why are you listening to this radio station? Why? When you can host your own radio show. You're listening, and you think you can do better? You have a message or a product you want everyone to know about. Host your own radio show. Team up with the area's best radio professionals and let them make you sound like you should be on NBC. KCAA NBC Radio, that is. KCAA produces more than 50 local programs each week on subjects ranging from business and sports to political talk, vegan diets, or even marijuana-related issues. We don't just broadcast on the radio. We broadcast to the world, online, on TV, on social media, on Facebook. You'll be all over. Imagine what your friends will say. And KCAA reaches over 5 million people on three radio stations. Join the staff on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. NBC Radio. Jump on the KCAA Express. Call 909-793-1065. That's 909-793-1065. And get ready to transmit. You're listening to KCAA, your good neighbor along the way. Hi, folks. If you're still paying for electricity every month, it means you haven't signed up for... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.